Hi, I'm David Cogswell here with Joe Clute. Clute? That's correct. <laughs> At Shamwari uh, Private Game Reserve in Eastern Cape, South Africa. And this is Insider Travel Report. fantastic place to be um, it's a it's a uh, private game reserve with seven lodges on it and it's what is it 25 square kilometers or how many hectares 25,000 hectares David wow. so, so the perimeter fence of about 140 kilometers around here it's it's a beautiful place uh, we went yesterday and saw all the big five except for the leopards and uh, just Boom, boom, it's a fantastic place. So now you've been here for 30 years. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what Shamwari is all about, what, it, uh, what it's for, what, what it offers, and especially directed to an American audience? Right, David, so Shamwari is really, at the end of the day, all about being a sustainable conservation project. Um, a very brief history of this area, the Eastern Cape where we are based, is that it used to be one of the richest wildlife zones in Africa in terms of diversity many years ago. And then sadly man arrived in the 16, 17, 1800s and moved in and agricultural expansion. And the end result of that is a lot of the wildlife was destroyed, sadly. So our mission at Chamari has been over the last 30 years to bring back all the different animal species that occurred here many, many years ago. And we have largely accomplished that, um, except for a few species. If we can increase our land size a, a little bit bigger, we can bring back one or two more species like the spotted hyena and the, the wild dog, which used to be called the cape hunting dog because they used to run around freely here in the olden days. So um, it's a massive conservation project. It's a sustainable project. Uh, the funds that we generate every year go straight back into the project. We try and expand the land size every year. And it's a holistic approach to conservation that we apply at Shamari. It's not just about building fancy lodges and having people enjoy these lodges and going out to see the wildlife. It offers a lot of um, job opportunities for the local communities and um, the unemployment rate in South Africa is really, really depressing at the moment. So these kind of projects like Shamari offer a lot of um, socioeconomic benefits to the local communities, skills training, job creation. Um, and we're busy with a lot of exciting projects that we're going to launch in the next couple of months as well, you know, um, to help the local community. So we see Shamwari as, yes, it's a luxury private game reserve. We operate in that sector of the markets. We are um, primarily geared at luxury travel. Family travel is a big part of our business, uh, romantic holidays, uh, we have an explorer camp where you do walking trails on foot, so you all your, your entire experience is on foot with very, very well-qualified guides. We have two born-free centers on the reserve where we rescue African cats from captive situations around the world, and we bring them back to these sanctuaries, and we use that as an education program for the local communities to teach them that wild animals should remain in the wild and they should not be put into captive situations. We have a wildlife rehabilitation center where we take injured wild animals, we rehabilitate them and we put them back into the wild. Um, and uh, yeah, we're very excited. We are in all likelihood going to launch our Valpro project over the next couple of months where we're going to be setting up a breeding center for endangered Cape vultures and other vulture species in South Africa that are threatened. 
um, and we're very excited about that. It's only it'll be the only second one of its kind in Africa. So um, if you look at all these various different facets that Shamari offer, it's it's got to be seen as a as a sustainable, holistic experience. And I think um, African uh, lodges such as this are really one of the few ways that uh, wildlife is, is, is protected. So for people who are uh, concerned about uh, losing the great wildlife, uh, coming to a place like this is not only a great experience, you're also, you can feel that you're contributing to protecting <clears throat> these animals. I, I heard uh, you were working on some new projects to protect against poaching, which is terrible. The, the uh, rhinos being uh, killed just for their horns, it's a horrible story, but, uh, but uh, I know it's very difficult, but you know, you're putting in some good new measures to try to help prevent that. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure, David. It's, it's a very sad situation. Uh, just to <clears throat> go back in history, um, around about the 1960s, there were an estimated 65,000 black rhino in East and Southern Africa. Today, there are less than 4,000 of those animals left. In the 1960s, there were less than 250 Southern white rhino left in South Africa. And then a gentleman by the name of Ian Player started Operation Rhino. They managed to develop a drug where they could um, knock out rhinos, put them into um, containers and move them to safe areas and, and the white rhino numbers built up to around about 25,000 and then in 2007 and 2008 the scourge of poaching started again and their numbers have declined quite dramatically over the last 15 years or so. Um, difficult to estimate how many there are right now but, but we reckon in the vicinity of about 17 or 18,000 left. So between Namibia, our neighboring country and South Africa, we are responsible for about 85% uh, of the world's rhino population. So we have a major responsibility to protect these species. So projects like Shamari Private Game Reserve are very, very important in securing the future of these animals. Um, uh, we obviously have to protect our boundaries. We, we've had to spend a lot of money on anti-poaching activities because the fundamental problem with the rhino uh, situation is that the rhino horn, when it gets to the markets in the east, which are largely China and Vietnam, the horn sells at, at about 85,000 US dollars per kilogram. Uh, and that's the fundamental problem. So the animal for these people is worth more dead than alive. So we, and there is no scientific evidence that there's any medicinal value in a rhino horn. It's like your nail or your hair. So it's a very sad situation. There's a massive education program that needs to happen in those countries to change the mindset there. That's something that we, unfortunately, in South Africa can't control. That has to happen in those countries. Um, what All we can do is protect the species that we have. So we've got um, a very strong anti-poaching team in place. These, these are very dedicated individuals um, that work. When we go to bed at night, they're out there patrolling the reserves. They have to. We have dogs. We use drones. We've had to become a lot more tech savvy to use AI to be able to develop a system that is more proactive as opposed to reactive. Um, you know, one of the projects that we are actually launching next week is, uh, is called a rhino bracelet, where the rhinos will be fitted with a, with a bracelet around their ankles. And there's a lot of tech inside this little very, very strong casing that, that hangs around the ankle. 
it has a little solar panel on it to charge it and it will detect any unusual rhino movement. It will then send an, send an alert to our control room. Uh, so a grey alert will be a sort of moderate warning sign. An amber alert will be a little bit more serious and a red, red alert will mean there's something really. Um, there's also GPS coordinates that get sent out. So uh, uh, what happens then is that uh, we then dispatch the drones to that particular location. We get thermal imagery so we can see what's happening in the bush at night. And, uh, and then we dispatch the people on the ground to be able to um, see what the situation is all about. And uh, so, but the bottom line is that we have to develop systems that are more proactive as opposed to reactive to, be, to protect the species. And while, while <coughs> rhino horn, and, and the similar thing with, uh, you know, with ivory, with the elephant tusks, I mean, the slaughter of elephants in, in East Africa and Central Africa is horrific. Um, you know, literally thousands of those animals are being slaughtered every year, and it's a story that's not really well well told or well documented. But um, we have to develop these proactive systems so we can protect these species. It's our responsibility in this country because we are lucky enough to still to have some of these animals around. So what what are the uh, what are you actually offering to a traveler from America or a family who comes to visit here? What's the what's the package here altogether? David, well, let's see. Yeah, as I said, you know, we specialize in, in, in the luxury sector of the market. Family travel is a, is, is a big part of our business. We've got two dedicated family lodges. We take kids of all ages. Um, you've got to be four and older to be allowed to go on safari. We sort of think that's, the, that's a, good, a good age. Um, at the end of the day, people come to these kind of places to enjoy the wildlife that we are very, very lucky to have in South Africa. The guides are extremely well trained and they will offer an experience to the guests out in the bush there um, for the for the families and the kids the uh, the experience is, is is driven at entertaining the child as opposed to the parent we believe happy you know happy child happy parents situation so you know on the family side there's also all sorts of interesting initiatives that we have we have a wonderful uh, two wonderful family lodges we have a kids adventure center where the kids can go down zip lines and slides and climbing walls and all sorts of interesting activities the guides spend a lot of time with the kids off the vehicle looking at tracking and te teaching them all sorts of little tricks in the bush etc um, the the lodges are all rigged out with uh, with very nice wellness areas or spas for for the adults to relax to to enjoy. But essentially, you go out in summer early morning drives for about three to four hours, come back for a lovely breakfast. After breakfast, you have the choice of going to one of the born free centres, or going for a guided walk, or going to the wildlife rehabilitation centre. Uh, then you have another opportunity after lunch to go out again for another three to four hours. You have a magnificent sunset. Um, and you come back and have your evening meal. So there's a lot to offer. An ideal stay would be something in the vicinity of sort of three to four nights, we believe. Um, and the important thing to, to mention is that the revenue that's generated from our international guests and, and our South African guests that come to this is all plowed back into the project. So, um, you know, we'd like the guests to feel that they're contributing to the conservation project in some way, which is very important for us. So the... Uh and those days also in between the morning game drive and breakfast and the uh, afternoon game drive is an open period where you can go to the pool, you can lie around, you can read, you can do whatever you want. So it's a really nice way to spend a few days. Um, so um, I would like to uh, know a little bit about, I'm so curious when you uh, 
a person who's in a position such as yourself. Uh, how did you get to where you are? How did you get into this kind of work? 30 years is a, is a long time, so you've got quite a career in it right now, but uh, how did you get here? What were you doing before? Well, I, I did a degree in economics and marketing, and I worked for a, a big beverage company in South Africa um, for many, many years. So I sold beer, <laughs> essentially. Um, but I always had a, a passion for the wildlife, and uh, and I just happened to be at, at the right place at the right time, and I met the individual that started Shamari Game Reserve many years ago, a gentleman by the name of Adrian Gardner, and uh, he told me what his vision was, and um, we then... Uh, you know, it made a lot of sense to me. I joined in 1992. Um, so I've been with Shamori nearly 31 years now. Um, started as a guide, was the first guide at, at Shamori. And in those days, you had to teach yourself how to become a guide, but there weren't really many guide training schools around. So you had to learn on the job. Uh, I then moved on from guiding and started uh, taking up the marketing of the product. So I used to travel around the world and abroad marketing Shamori because it was very difficult to compete with a new a new product in in the safari industry in southern africa because of the you know, the big brands like the kruger national park and you know the serengeti you know and uh, and the okavanga swamps and botswana those are those are big brands so to to um to launch this brand into the international uh, safari circuit uh, took a lot of hard work uh, it's um you know it's it's uh but it's you know shamari is situated in a fantastic part of south africa it's in the up the east coast it's an hour's flight from cape town beautiful garden route drive along the way it's an hour and a half from johannesburg it's in a malaria free area so family travel is you know or for anybody really is there's no issues there um and uh and as i mentioned earlier yeah the the diversity in wildlife that you encounter in the eastern cape now and at chamari is fantastic you know we've brought all these animal species back we have the big five we have black rhino uh, white trino, you know, elephant, lion, leopard, etc., cheetah, you know. Um, so it's a fantastic experience. Lots of bird life, uh, uh, you know, and it's a holistic experience at the end of the day. It's not just about guests coming to enjoy luxury lodges and enjoying the bush experience. The revenue gets ploughed back into the property. What we do for our local communities is very, very important to us. Uh, primary healthcare in this in this region is is really being challenged at the moment. So we're looking at um, bringing primary healthcare to our staff, um, so they can have access to medical care uh, on a regular basis. Um, you know, water availability is 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 a big issue. Yeah, water is very very scarce in this part of South Africa, and uh, we've got to make sure that our you know our communities have uh, good clean drinking water. So we you know we've already launched those projects. Um, so there's a lot happening in and around. It's just not. Um, it's not just about looking at the wildlife and enjoying the luxury accommodation. The socio-economic impact in in the entire region is very very important to us. So we um, we had uh, obviously uh, COVID, a huge disaster for the whole world, especially the travel industry, and I think especially for really special types of travel offerings as this uh how uh, so many businesses just went under during that period is quite scary uh how are we doing now in terms of of that coming back again yeah i mean the COVID was just uh unprecedented you know you, we went from 85 percent occupancy on the 20th of march to having seven lodges closed a week later you know when we when everybody was locked down so 
and nobody knew what to expect. That was the big thing. Everybody thought it was going to last three weeks, and then they said three months. And so it was a complete disaster um, economically. And, and, and I think the big thing that people don't realize is the impact that it had on the local communities because, um, you know, there's no revenue coming in. Uh, you know, we had to um, cap salaries that we could pay. Sadly, we had to let some staff go. Um, so that two and, a half, two and a half year period, I don't ever want to <laughs> experience again. And I don't think anybody in the world wants to experience that again. So that's a complete tragedy. Fortunately, the market has bounced back pretty quickly over the last sort of year, particularly the North American market. They were the first market to come back very, very strongly. And I guess we we're at about 80% of our pre sort of COVID occupancies right now. And if I look at the forward bookings, they're looking really, really promising. So uh, we're very grateful for that. North American market came back quickly. The United Kingdom market has now started coming back. Um, uh, European market has been a little bit slow. Um, I'm not sure if the uh, situation in Ukraine and Russia has got something to do with that. But uh, um, but anyway, uh, South America, we're hoping uh, that will start coming back pretty soon when direct, flet- direct flights into South Africa come around. And I think it's going to be October or something like that through Latin Airlines. So, yeah, about, David, about 75, 80% of where we were pre-COVID, I think. Well, that's hopeful. Uh, well, um, I appreciate your talking to me today. I, I wish everybody could come and see this for themselves because you can't really express it in words, but uh, it's really worth checking out for yourself. So, uh, I'm David Cogswell. This is Joe Klute at Shamwari uh, Game Reserve in South Africa, and this is Insider Travel Report. Thank you.